James chapter four, verse one. It says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Now let's stop right there. Now, so now remember, James is, is writing to uh, believers in Jerusalem. Uh, and so he's writing to believers. And the question he asks these believers is what is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? Uh, we stop right there because we have to understand and believe that, yes, there are quarrels and fights among believers. Okay, there are quarrels and fights in the church. There are quarrels and fights in the body of Christ. Now, when I say quarrels and fights in the church, I'm not talking about the, the, the small little church fights that people get into that really aren't, you know, important or, or um, in the grand scheme of things. But we're just talking about believers who get into disputes, believers who get into fights, right? It is a shame, uh, but it's true, right? And it's also not a new thing, okay? So listen, sometimes people are caught off guard and we end up, you know, stumbling in our faith because, you know, we've gotten to some dispute with someone who's supposed to be a believer. That happens, okay? So dispute and quarrels among believers, remember who James is writing to, he's writing to believers. This happens because, listen, you've got people who aren't perfect, if you will have a dispute or a quarrel with me, as hard as that is to believe, because it's as easy as I am, you can have one with me because I, because I'm not perfect, okay? And so, despite the fact that I, that I am a believer and that I am a Christian, it is possible for you to have quarrels. Now, watch this. He says, "Let's keep reading." He says, "Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you?" So now, watch this. He's not even talking about or addressing what the fight or what the quarreling is about. Uh, you know, you can read several commentaries. A lot of different scholars. You, you have their thoughts as far as this is what some of the discussions were. A lot. Of, and, and to be honest with you, back in, in, in this time, um, there was a lot of discussion around the divinity of Christ and the humanity of Christ. And so it was a lot of doctrinal stuff going on. But anyway, he says, don't, the, don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? Now, the quarrels and fights um, that he's talking about here probably has less to do with doctrine and more with, with, with just people being people, uh, simply because he's talking about the evil desires. It's not necessarily a foundation or trying to search for the truth or anything like that. So, um, but here's what's interesting. He doesn't address what they're fighting or quarreling about. He's talking about the cause of it. What is causing you to fight one another? What is causing you to quarrel with one another? What is causing these disputes? Not what you're disputing about, not the surface thing, because sometimes we know that sometimes the things that we fight about or sometimes the things that are bringing a dissension or some of the things that are bringing this tension isn't even the thing that you're fighting about. It's something under the surface. And that's what James is saying here. He says, what's causing the quarrel and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil uh, desires at war within you? Here's what's interesting. He, he's coming back to the same thing that he talked about in chapter uh, one. So go to chapter one, verse 14 uh, and, and 15. He's going right back to the same thing he talked about earlier in the book when he talked about sin. Watch this, uh, verse 1, 14 uh, and 15. He says, watch this, he says, temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drags us away, saying that we are enticed by the things that are inside of our own heart. And so when we go back, and then in 15, he says, these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. And so when we go back to chapter 4, uh, verse 1, and he says, don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You've got to remember that he already establishes the fact, and we already understand that when we are tempted to do wrong, it, it, it's not necessarily an out, it, it, something outward may trigger it, but at the, at the end of the day, it's an inward thing. It's something that's in us that takes root that, 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 um, that may be triggered by something on the outside, but it all starts 
from the inside of us. Listen, let me tell you something. As sweet as Charmaine is and as lovely as Charmaine is, Charmaine got evil inside her heart, y'all. I'm trying to tell you. Uh, uh, but, but praise God, we all got evil inside of our heart, right? And so it's, it's that which is inside of us uh, uh, that's causing the, those, those quarrels. And surface stuff is it, just surface. People are fighting about this, fighting about that. That's just surface stuff. What's really under there is the evil desires, the pride, the lust, those things, okay? Verse 2. He says, you want uh, what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous. So now he's talking about these, de- these desires. You want something that you don't have. He says, that, now, you are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Watch this. So you do all this stuff to try to get what you want. Then he says, I see you, Ma. Yeah, I see you, Charmaine. He, say, he, says, he says, yet uh, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it, okay? So now he's getting back to asking God for things. Remember, he talked about a double-minded man being unstable in all his ways. Let that man not think he will receive anything from God. So he's not, again, he was back to evil desires in our hearts. He's back to talking about asking God. But here's what's interesting. He says, and even when you ask God, you don't get it because what? Your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Let's stop right there. Um, uh, uh, in in some um, versions, it says amiss um, in King James Version, right? Now, when you talk about the word amiss, it means inappropriate or out of place. You're asking God inappropriately. You're asking God out of place. Listen, listen, we, he, he says you're asking God you don't get it because your motives are wrong. We can't trick God into answering prayers that are rooted in selfish desires, okay? We, listen, I, we can't make God do anything, okay? I say, you know what? Here's the thing. Here's what I'm going to here's what I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm going to fast uh, and pray when I fast, and I'm, I'm only going to listen to Christian music. I'm, I'm, I'm only going to listen to, I'm not going to watch Real Housewives of nothing. I'm going to watch uh, uh, pastors on TV all day. Uh, you know, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do all this so God will give me what I want. Listen, I've said this before. I'll say it again. God is not a vending machine. God is not, you can't just walk up there, see the selection of things that you want, you know, give a little bit of money or, or you know, you, you, you give your offering or you, or, or, or you, you, you fast and then you pray and then you, you, you listen to just Christian music and all that kind of stuff just so you can get punch B12 and get your Snickers bar. You can't trick God into giving you something or fulfilling your selfish desires. This is what he's saying. We've got to remember, again, God's not Santa Claus. He's not making a list and checking it twice. And then, you know, if you're, if you're naughty, you get cold. And if you're nice, you get something else. I see you, mom. Listen, listen, we have one of the things that, 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 that certain types of teaching has done to us is make us think that we are the center of God's universe. I'm, I hope I'm not just shaking anybody's face. We are not the center of God's universe. If we were the center of God's universe, he'd be exalting us above himself. God is the center of God's universe, okay? God is the center of God's universe. So God, listen, so we can't trick him into trying to get us something because he sees our motives, right? And so, and so we can't sit there and say, I'm going to pray for this, pray for this, pray for this, because I want this for me, and we've got these selfish motives. He's not going to give us anything because we've got these selfish motives. To be honest with you, if you've got a selfish motive for something, it's probably better for you to just try to work overtime, get more money, and buy it yourself instead of trying to get God to get it for you because you can't trick him into doing it. You can't trick him into doing it. It, okay, um, uh, let's keep moving. Verse four. This is where we get crazy, y'all. He says, "You adulterers, 
uh, uh, he says, don't you realize that friendship with God, uh, 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 that friendship with the world, excuse me, makes you an enemy of God? It's funny how he starts off with the adulterers. Now, remember, we talked about why James speaks so boldly. And so you may have to go back to the first uh, couple of parts to, to, to see why he's so passionate, why there's so much boldness in, in what he's saying. He says, you adulterers, verse four, he says, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Okay, let's stop right there. Uh, he said, listen, we cannot be friends of, uh, of God and friends of the world. It's just not going to happen. It doesn't matter how much we, and, and watch this, even when we're trying to, we got to be careful when we're sharing the gospel and we try to do this thing where we want to make God more appealing to man. Listen, the truth of the matter is, is that there are things about God that the world just ain't going to accept, Okay. He's not going to be super appealing. And so sometimes we got to stop with the circus and the sideshow because some people may not just want it because that's, you cannot be friends with the world and, and, and friends with God. Watch this, the systems of this world, the culture of this world, going about the way the world does business, the way they treat people. You cannot be friends with the world and operate the, world, the way the world does and operate the way God does at the same time. Now, remember, we talked about James and Jesus, right? Let's go to John 15. Let's go to John 15. Let me know if I'm talking too fast. If, if, y'all, if y'all have the camera or if y'all can see, you can see Crystal's background. That's her uh, coaching um, business. Crystal clear coaching. All right, here we go. Uh, uh, John 15, 18. Congratulations. She's it's been in the works. Um, John 15, 18 through 19. Here's Jesus talking, okay? Jesus says, watch this. Jesus says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. Okay, so here's Jesus saying, listen, if the world hates you, I'm not asking you to try to fit in. If the world hates you, I'm not asking you to change yourself. I'm not asking you to remember, even in Romans, Paul talks about be not conformed to the the things this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's not asking you to fit in. He's not asking you to change yourself. He's not asking you to conform yourself. What he is saying is if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first that the world would love you uh, as one of its own if you belong to it. Watch this. This comes into identity, and we're going to talk a lot about identity when we get into Ephesians. He says, but you are no longer part of the world. The problem is some of us have an identity crisis going on. Some of us, listen, some of us have an identity crisis where we want to be a part of the world and the world system and the way the world do things. We want to be a part of it, right? Now watch this. We're going to talk about how it draws us out, uh, how we're drawn to it by the things in us. We want to be a part of the world. Or we've been a part of the world system for so long that even when we now have become saved and now we're trying to follow Jesus, that sometimes the the old world system or the old self still sometimes run us. Sometimes it still leads the way. He's saying, but you are no longer part of the world. Sometimes we have to wake up. You know, we're good with affirmations and we talk about repeating the scriptures. Sometimes we need to wake up and say, I am no longer a part of the world. And I need to reshape my mind to understand that, that I'm no longer part of the world. Let's, 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 let's keep reading. Jesus says, I chose you to come out of the world. And so that's why the world hates you. Okay. Remember, James says you cannot be friends with God and friends of the world at the same time. Okay. You're going to be a fake friend to one of them. You're either going to be a fake friend to God or you're going to be a fake friend to the world. I'm not going to ask anybody on this call, have you ever been a fake friend? I'm just going to say, have you ever known a fake friend? I'm not going to put any pressure on you, but has anyone ever known somebody who's been fake to them? Okay, we've all known somebody. I'm not going to ask you whether you've been one or not. I was going to say, have you known somebody? Uh, but you can't be, you can't be friends of, 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 of God and friends of the world. Okay, you're going to be a fake friend to one of them. Okay, now watch this. 
Let's go to 1 John 2.15. So we got to establish this here, guys. We got to establish the fact that we cannot be friends with the world and friends with God at the same time. 1 John 2. 1 John 2, uh, chapter 15. We're going to read 15 through 17. Uh, here it is. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. For, uh, it says, do not love the world, nor the things it offers you, right? For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you, okay? So watch this. Here we are with First John, right? So we see Jesus, we see James, now we see John. He says, do not love the world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Watch this. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything that we see, and a pride in our achievements and possessions. These things are not from the Father, but they are from the world. And this world is fading away as long, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So now watch this. Do we, watch this. Do we see a correlation right there? And I think I want to look at, uh, at, at the New King James Version. Do we see a correlation there, watch this, between, between the things that the world has to offer and the evils that are in our own hearts? Do we see any parallel there between the things that the world has to offer and some of the evils and some of the things that are in our own hearts that we've got to work out? Now, I'm going to read 1 John 2, uh, 15 through, uh, in, the, in the King James Version. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, uh, the, uh, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that the world offers is, watch this, the lust of the flesh. Do we see any correlation between what the world has to offer as far as lust of the flesh and maybe the lust that's in our heart, right? Okay, watch this. It says, the lust of the eyes, things that we see, we see it, we want it, and the pride of life, okay? So we see the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and then we see pride. And, and, but we also talked about the evil desires that's in us. Remember, he says that we, we are tempted when we, when we are drawn by our own lust. And so we see these things in the world. It connects with something in us, and that's why we're drawn to it. But we have to not love the world. The question is, can I not love something that I'm drawn to? All right. I'm done with Bible study. That's it. No, no, no. Listen, can I, can I not love something? Come on, y'all. Can I not love something that I am drawn to? How can I not love the world when I'm drawn to it based on the evils and the sins that's in my heart? Okay, we're going to do a, di- a different study on that. We got to keep going with um, James. If we do that, we're never going to get past verse 6. Um, let me get back to James. So that's the question. And you can ask yourself that. Can, how, listen, how can, I, how can I not love something that, that, I, that I am drawn to? Okay? I see you, Perrin. I'm totally messing you up. We haven't even got started yet. Here we go. But we're going to, somebody, um, uh, parent is here. Chris, you got to remind me that we got to, I got to, uh, I've got to do a, a, a Sunday thing on that. How, how, how am I not, how do I, how do I not love something that I'm drawn to? Because again, we see all the things that are out in the, in the world and we see the, 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 the things in our heart that has to be worked out. We've got to work out those things because those things in our heart are naturally drawn to it. That's why it says we are, we are drawn to temptation by, by the evil and the lust that are our, our own desires. And those are the things we've got to work out because it's attracted to the world. But we, we're not supposed to love the world. So how can I not love something that I'm drawn to? Okay, so we've got to make sure we do that. Um, let's keep going. Uh, ver- verse 5. Now watch this. this. This one's a little tricky. So we're going to get into, into a little bit of Bible study here, okay? Verse 5. What do you think the Scriptures mean when they say the Spirit of God has placed within us, uh, the Spirit uh, God has placed in us uh, is filled with envy? I'll read it again because I, I, I stumbled over it. Verse 5, and again, this is one of the tricky ones. 
what do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the spirit God has placed within us is filled with envy? Now, now, now here's why this one gets a little tricky. Uh, watch this. He says, what do you think the scriptures mean? Uh, uh, what do you think the scripture says uh, in, uh, when it says God has put this uh, spirit within us, the spirit of envy, right, in us? So when he says what the scriptures mean, usually when people are doing that, they are referring back to uh, a, a scripture, referring back to the Holy Scriptures, in his case, the Old Testament, right? However, uh, there aren't any Old Testaments that say, uh, scriptures that say this, whether you look in the Bible, the Old Testament, you can look in the Apocrypha, whatever, it is, there's no scriptures that mention this. Um, and so it can get a little confusing because they're trying to figure out, okay, well, where is he getting this from? Where in King James it says, do ye think that the scripture saith in vain that the spirit dwells in us uh, lust to envy? So it's possible for two things. Number one, it's possible that he's summarizing a general teaching that the scripture is referring to, okay, um, about the spirit within us. Uh, and so it's possible that that's what it is. Um, it's also possible that uh, the translation was actually meant to be kind of broken up. Uh, into like two sentences as opposed to just one, where, where it says, do you think that the scriptures say this in vain? Or do you think the scriptures speak in vain? Question mark. Like, like, are you doubting the scriptures? Do you think the scriptures say these things and they're not true? Okay. So do you think the scriptures speak in vain? Question mark. And then do you think, uh, uh, do the spirit uh, made to dwell in us long to jealousy? Question mark. So two separate questions as opposed uh, in one sentence, as opposed to one long sentence. Um, and so, but it's not to say that the Holy Spirit, like I said, the spirit that God has put in us, he's not saying that the Holy Spirit is the cause of the lust, but it's possible that he's saying that the Holy Spirit in us yearns for that devotion. Because remember earlier in, this, in, the, in the chapter, he talked about that, those, those evil desires that are at war within us. And so that's where that war comes from, where the evil desire is warring against the Holy Spirit that wants to do right, but then we've got our flesh that wants to do wrong. Has anybody ever had like a war in your spirit where you want to do the right thing and you know what the right thing is? Uh, but then it's at, and so that's the Holy Spirit trying to lead you, but then you're at war with the evil that, the desires in you uh, that want, you know, uh, uh, to be real mean to parent. You know what I mean? Um, even though parent probably deserved it. I know she probably deserved it. Parents always deserve people to be mean. But anyway, like, so you've got these two things at war. So this is kind of what he's talking about um, uh, uh, here. So it's possible that he's talking about the fact that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, uh, a yearning, that's right, that's right, Paul in, chapter, in Romans chapter 7, Crystal, where he talks about the good that I want to do, I don't do, and the, and the bad that I don't want to do, I end up doing. Uh, you know, and, and at the end, he's like, oh, what a wretched man am I? Like, like I can't even figure this whole thing out, you know. Um, but no, you're right. That's exactly what it is. Uh, and, so, and so it's these evil desires, but the Holy Spirit within us yearning and, and longing for um, uh, our devotion. Uh, now, it is also possible. It's already 754. Right. It's also possible uh, to say that um, that 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 this talking about the spirit within us. He's just talking about that inner man, that 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 fleshly man uh, that our evil desires are caused by the evil that's within us. Now, that seems more consistent with James's teaching uh, to me in, in the first four chapters that what he is talking about when he says the spirit that God put in us, that he's not talking about the Holy Spirit, although that's at war. He's talking about that the spirit that's the, the, the man, the person inside of me. Um, has these evil desires that causes me to sin and causes me to quarrel and have these stripes. Um, so that seems a little more consistent up to this point. But, you know, again, uh, those are just some different thoughts on breaking, that, breaking down that scripture on what he could mean given the translation and things like that. But that's, that is, honestly, if you, if, you, if, if you read through that a few more times and listen to this a few more times, that is one of the, the, the tougher uh, uh, verses to break down in, in all the epistles, actually, um, basically because of translation and things like that. Um, so here we go, verse 6. Um, uh, uh, so 
no matter what it is, whether it's the Holy Spirit longing for us, uh, for our devotion, or whether it is the Spirit within us and these evil desires we're fighting against. Watch this, verse 6. He says, but he gives us even more grace, come on, y'all, to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but favors the humble. Watch this. But he gives us even more grace. Okay, verse 6. That's our scripture right there. That's our verse. But he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires, meaning he gives us the grace to stand against the things that we see in the world and to stand against the evil desires that are in our hearts. Okay, he gives us even more grace. Now watch this. This is very consistent with what we see in Hebrews 4, uh, 16. Let's go to it. Hebrews 4, 16. Yeah, we study in the Bible tonight. Here we go. Hebrews 4, 16. Um, uh, I'll read from uh, uh, NLT. It says, so let us come boldly to, well, we'll start at 15. Uh, the high priest of our under, uh, understands our weakness, for he faced all the same rest, uh, testings uh, we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Watch this. There, will, uh, there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Okay? So consistent right there with what we see in James that, that, that the, at the moment when you need it the most, that God has abundant grace towards you. That, that whatever you need to stand against, whatever it is that is coming up against you, whatever pressure there is, whatever you're facing, that God has abundant grace towards you. That watch this, we can come boldly to the throne of grace, that King James says that we have a high priest that is in touch with our infirmities, and that he was tempted at all points the same way we were, yet he was, he was without sin. So because we know he, he went through that, because we know he was tested the way we were, we can come boldly to the throne of grace to what? To find mercy and to find grace to help us in our time of need, meaning that there is always help for you in your time of need. But watch this. He says we got to, this is not even in, in the study, that we have to come boldly to the throne of grace, right? And so when I need help, I can't be running elsewhere. I can't be running a crystal for help. Crystal, you got to figure this out for me. Crystal, tell me what I got to do. I can't just sit around and think God's going to, no. He says, come boldly. What do I pursue? Where do I go in the time of trouble. So when I'm in the time of trouble, I need to actively go, actively pursue, actively present myself before what? The throne of grace so I can find mercy and find help. If I can't find mercy and I can't find help, it is possible that I'm not in the right place. Okay, here we go. Let's go. Uh, let's keep going because we want to finish at least the first 10 verses uh, uh, tonight. Uh, uh, he also says, uh, God opposes the proud, but favors uh, the humble. He says, as the scripture says, and this is what's interesting because when we, the last time we saw him say what the scriptures say, we, it's not in the scriptures. Uh, it's probably like a, a general summary of, of a lesson there. But uh, here this is, he's, he's basically quoting, uh, or, and maybe not, not even word for word, but Proverbs 3, uh, 34. Uh, now, remember, we talked about how he writes this book the way Proverbs is kind of written. So if you want to write that down, it's Proverbs 3, 34 is what he's quoting there. Now watch this, verse seven through ten. He goes through these. He goes through the the, the step almost of repentance, if you want to call it that. He says, uh, "So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, uh, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Uh, let there uh, be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter, and gloom instead of joy." Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. Now, here's what he's talking about. He's talking about repentance here, okay? Now, watch what he says. He says, number one, humble yourself before God. Get rid of the pride. 
admit that you were wrong. Admit that I'm not perfect. Admit that, God, I've got this area where I need to grow in. God, I've got this, this place here in my life where that, that's got to show up. Like, come clean and admit it, number one. Number two, he says, resist, resist the devil. Stand, withstand the devil. Outlast the devil. Outlast the temptation. The funny thing is he promises that if you just resist the devil, that the devil will flee. That is a promise. He says, resist, resist the devil and he will flee. So if you just withstand and if you outlast, we talked about coming to the, to come and come, go to the throne of grace to get that grace and that mercy in the time of need. Number three, he says, wash your hands. That speaks of the action and the act of sin. Wash your hands. Listen, some things, some things, we, we sugarcoat some of the stuff that we go, because we talked about sometimes how we want to sugarcoat stuff. If you go back to the last, um, to last Sunday's teaching on, um, on Saul and keeping up appearances, we talked about how we try to sugarcoat some of the things that we do as opposed to just being honest about it because we want to keep up appearances. Listen, there are some things that you may not even have to pray about tonight. You just need to stop. You don't need anybody to advise you. You don't need anybody to tell you, well, can you give me some scriptures? Can you pray for me? I don't need to pray. No, just stop doing it. You know it's wrong. You know it's a sin. Just stop. And so wash your hands speaks of the action and the act of sin. But then he says, purify your hearts, right? Now that speaks to the motive behind the action. Now watch this again. We just talked about washing your hands. And yes, we should stop and resist those urges to sin. uh, But resisting and just not doing it is not enough. We have to deal with the heart and the motives, okay? So I can stop doing something, but that doesn't mean that the sin is not still in me. Okay. That doesn't mean the desire is not still in me. It just means I'm not doing it anymore. Okay. So, so, so yes, we need to wash hands, clean hands, clean actions, right? But we also have to take the extra step of purifying our hearts. Remember, Jesus says that, 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 that said, you know, you heard it said before in the law that one should not commit adultery. But then he said, but I say to even look at someone else with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. He said, you've heard it said that you should not kill. But I say to even hate someone, you have already committed murder in your heart. So Jesus is showing that, yes, and James is kind of echoing this here when he talks about wash your hands and purify your hearts, that, yes, you have heard it said not to do the action. But I'm saying to even have the desire of the action in your heart is already the sin, whether you commit it or not. Purify our hearts. Clean up our motives. Come on, y'all. Uh, and then the other one said, let there be sorrow. Not that Christ makes you sad, um, uh, but there comes a loneliness, a, 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 not a lonely, a lonely, a loneliness, a low stature, a, a low importance of myself, understanding that I messed up, understanding that I need to get it right. That's the kind of grief, the kind of sorrow that comes with understanding where I am. Uh, but again, he says, if you humble yourself uh, before the Lord, he will lift you up in honor. Okay, and so that's what we've got to do. And and understanding that at the core of who I am, uh, uh, I'm still trying to get this thing right, that there are still evil desires and motives inside of me. Okay, and and, and even though I don't always act on them, sometimes they're still in here. Okay, and that's what James is talking about there. Uh, So next Tuesday, we'll we'll go through uh, James 11. Uh, We'll start at James 11, verse 4, uh, 11, and we'll try to get we'll try to get through uh, chapter four and move through chapter five as well. Um, Sunday, um, um, I'll, I'll, I, look, Sunday, I may switch some things up. So, Sunday will be on here at 10. I, I may talk about um, uh, uh, how can I uh, love something that, I, how can I not love something that I'm drawn to, um, or we'll talk about position or something like that. God's got something on my heart for Sunday uh, for it. So our Bible study, again, every Tuesday, uh, we're in the book of James. James is a powerful book, powerful book. I would encourage everybody to go back, listen to Galatians too. Listen to Galatians, listen to James. It's all on the bus about page. Um, once, we're, once we're done with this, I'll type it in the message thing um, so everybody can get it after I pray. And then if anybody has any questions, 
or if you read something or God shared something with you during this, feel free to, um, to share it because uh, you can unmute and, and, and just share with us after we pray.